Good morning. I always like that when the Lord works things out where you have more than one thing going on in the morning and they kind of fit together like this. And uh, I think if I'd picked a song to sing, it would have been that one for the message this morning. Um, There's a lot of what was in that that we're going to be looking at. In particular, we're going to look at Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God with power. The Son of God with power. By the way, um, I don't know if you know, I just learned this a few years ago from our resident Hebrew expert, Noad. Um, That title that was in the song of God, who was and who is and who is to come, you've heard that before. Um, A lot of people aren't too impressed by that because they say, well, I was. And I am, and I am to come, so I could have the same name. No, you don't understand. In the Hebrew, that's the name God took for himself in the Old Testament. And there's a wonderful thing about Hebrew. Uh, The verb to be, if God were to say, I am, you write that with four letters. And if you want to make it was, you add a few little tick marks to that same word. And if you want to write, uh, I am to be, you add some other tick marks. Well, if you look at the Hebrew in the Old Testament, when God says who he is, it's, it's all of them put together. Do you understand? He's saying at the same time, God is saying, I am, I was, and I will be. All at the same time. You got that? Isn't that cool? That's why the name of Jehovah uh, to the Jews is almost a superstitious thing because it's a very specially constructed word to convey the idea that God, he's not trapped in time like you and me. You understand? I'm here and now. Give it a couple of seconds. Now I'm not there anymore in time. I'm here. Got it? God's not like that. That's why Jesus said before Abraham was what? I am. You got that? I am existing before Abraham existed. Explain that one. You know what he's saying by that? He's God. Okay. We're going to we're going to see that name come up this morning in the message. So turn with me to Romans chapter one. Now you're sitting out there saying, wait a minute, where's my Easter message? That's right, relax. We're going to talk about the resurrection. Romans 1, just for continuity. It's verse 4 we're after, but we'll get the flow by starting in the first verse. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Wonderful verse. Verse 4, there's a declaration being made there. What's the declaration? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God with power. And what a way to announce it, huh? By being raised from the dead. Uh, Now, the question is, who's doing the declaring here? 
Well, at first reading, God's, God's declaring it. And that's correct. God raised Jesus from the dead. And by doing so, he declared that his son is the son of God with power. It says here, the spirit of holiness was in it. God, the Holy Spirit, raised Jesus from the dead. But certainly, uh, probably most important in, in a certain sense is Jesus raised himself from the dead. Do you understand that? I want you to think about that. Jesus raised himself from the dead. Do you really get that? Look, this guy was dead. Okay? You know why it's so hard to raise yourself from the dead? Because you're dead. (laughs) You don't do a lot of stuff when you're dead, particularly hard things. You know, we, we think about this and we talk about the resurrection of Jesus and it kind of just, oh, yeah, right, the resurrection of Jesus. Hello? We need to understand what we're talking about here, folks. Jesus Christ raised himself from the dead. He is alive right now. And he's not done. Okay? He's coming back very soon. Uh, and so I, I want to appreciate, appreciate that this morning. What, and what does it mean that Jesus Christ is the Son of God with power? First of all, I, I just want to think a little bit about the fact that he raised himself from the dead. I don't think we really grasp what that is saying. Listen, he was dead. We're not talking about an NDE or an OBE here. You know what those are? How many people know what an NDE is? Wow. How about an OBE? Wow. Okay. NDE, near-death experience. OBE, out-of-body experience. You've heard of those, right? You know, people's heart stops beating for a a few seconds or they stop breathing or whatever, and they come to and and, uh, the doctor says, what happened? And they say, man, it was really strange, you know. And they talk about... uh, lights you know and and floating above their body and looking at it on the table and so you've heard stuff like that right okay the reason you've heard about it is because they didn't die very good took you a while didn't it nobody's died i mean really died and come back to tell us about it Except Jesus Christ. Okay? OBEs and NDEs. We won't get into that what's going on, but it ain't death. Okay? Uh, I don't know if Michael Long's here, but look, uh, if your vital signs stop, breathing, heartbeat, you know how long you can go? A couple of minutes. That's it. Look, your cells all over your body, man, they got to have oxygen to do their thing. They are chewing up oxygen like you wouldn't believe. That's why you're sitting there going. Because you're, you're bringing that oxygen in to feed those cells to do their thing. And if you stop doing that, the cells keep doing their thing, but they need that fuel to do their thing. And when you stop giving them oxygen, they die. And some of the first ones to go are up here. And not only that, you know, that's the part that brings in the oxygen. That's the part that puts out the stuff they keep 
spewing out carbon dioxide. So you stop breathing and, you, and your heart stops beating and, and taking that oxygen in and pulling that carbon dioxide out. You've only got a few minutes because you, your, your cells just can't go that long. Why am I saying this? Because Jesus died about 3 p.m. on Friday and he didn't just uh, expire for about two minutes. He was dead until Sunday morning. Okay? He was dead. Dead. This is the way Luke put it. Now it was about the sixth hour, that's about noon, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, 3 p.m. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's death, by the way. Okay? And he breathed his last. Get that? He stopped breathing. And he didn't breathe again until Sunday. He was dead. John says it this way. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs. They got this big mallet. Can you imagine? That's how they did it. Because you're holding yourself up because you're in such an awkward position, right, with your legs. You break the legs, you got no support. You die in minutes. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead. Now, these are professional executioners. This is their job. Okay. Their job is when the penalty is death to kill people. They're good at it. They know what they know how to do it. They know when somebody's dead. Okay. And, uh, they better not slip up, you know, and somebody's faking it. And then later on, that, that guy shows up alive because it's their neck. You understand? So he's dead and they know it. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. I don't know why he did that. And immediately blood and water came out. Jesus was dead. I like what John says next. And he who has seen has testified. That's John talking about himself. Has testified and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth. That's John speaking to you. Okay. John's saying, look, I know. I saw it. I know I'm telling the truth. Why? So that you may believe. Believe what? That Jesus did die. He realizes how important that is. Otherwise, the resurrection is just a trick. Understand? Yeah, Jesus was dead. By the way, we've introduced an important topic. Here we are talking about the resurrection and maybe some of the visitors, you know, go and hear an Easter message and you say, oh boy, the resurrection, all that Christian doctrine. We're not going to just be talking about doctrine this morning. We're going to make this message real practical. You know, the, the resurrection of Jesus is a very practical thing. You can apply it to your life. I can tell you right now, I don't care who you are, you can apply the resurrection of Jesus Christ to your life. No, let me say it this way. You should apply the resurrection of Jesus to your life. And so there's a kind of a hint of where we're going because John said, I tell you these things that I know it's true so that you may believe. 
Why is it so important to believe that Jesus was dead and rose again? Well, Paul writes later in Romans, listen to this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that he raised from the dead, you shall be saved. Wow. Look, you can go out and believe a lot of things, a lot of which aren't true, okay? People believe all kind of crazy things today. This is something which, if you believe it in your heart, he says, I mean, really and truly. Do you believe Jesus raised from the dead? I do. If you really believe that, you know what God says? If you believe that in your heart, you will be saved. Wow. So that's pretty important stuff, wouldn't you say? You tell me something else that you can just believe and go to heaven. Wow. So I'd say this is pretty practical, wouldn't you? I'll never forget. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, never went to church, never read a Bible. Uh, At the age of uh, 25, whoo, long time ago. Easter. It was Easter. 1972. I remember uh, my wife wasn't a Christian either. We were sitting in the kitchen and I was reading the Oakland Tribune. And there was this article in there about Jesus and about his resurrection. And all of a sudden, it just hit me, you know. Here's this newspaper article talking about Jesus and his supposed resurrection and everything, you know. And it just hit me. Wait a minute. If this guy really did raise from the dead, Uh, we need to find out about this. That's pretty important stuff. You know, I remember, you know what I said? I said, somebody ought to do something. (laughs) Not realizing at the time that it was me. Praise God, I did. Your response to the resurrection of Jesus and who he is Look, it determines your whole future. So it's very practical. Okay, let's get back to the fact Jesus is dead. Jesus himself testified to that fact. In Revelation, later he says, I am he who lives and was dead. No one else can put those two words together. You realize that? There is nobody else who can say, I was dead. Now, they may say, I had an OBE or an NDE. That's not death. Jesus said, I was, past tense, dead, saying, I'm alive now forevermore. He doesn't have to die again. He didn't have to die the first time, by the way. We'll talk about that in a minute. And he goes on to say, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Wow. This is a good guy to know. I'm serious, man. He's got the keys to death. Think of that. Not only did he say he would die and and raise himself again, he did it, but he has the power over death. He can unlock it, so to speak, for anybody. You got that? You don't have to be afraid of death anymore if you come to Jesus. He's got the keys to it. He alone has power over death. The Son of God with power. 
It, it's a taunt song at the end of First Corinthians 15. It's man, Christians. I wish we had a. There's somewhere there's got to be a, a melody for this. It's a great, great song. Um, oh grave, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? That's a Christian taunting death. Not because he's so great, but because Jesus has won the victory for him. You understand? Oh, great. Where is your victory? Oh, death. Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. That's right. That's what gives the sting to death. Because when I die, I'm a sinner and I'm going to hell to pay for it. And he goes on to say the strength of sin is the law. The law of God is what gives that strength to that sin that kills me and sends me to hell. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who gives us the victory. Praise God. I can't tell you how great it is to be able to stand here this morning and tell you I'm not afraid of death. And I'm not talking about some bravado or or macho stuff. I'm talking about my Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God with power. He's conquered death for me. He's my hero. He's everything. A good guy to know. I was reminded of this just the other day. <clears throat> We've, uh, out at the lab, the, the group I work with, a lot of you know, we respond to releases of radioactivity in the atmosphere. That's our primary job. And uh, when Chernobyl hit, we were working 24-7. Well, you can imagine what we've been doing for the last two weeks. Uh, it's been pretty hectic. And uh, along the way, we've had some pretty strange emails, too. Um, people from everywhere asking about if they're going to die and, you know, what should they do from Colorado and Kentucky, you know. Anyway, um, there, there was a, 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 an, a, a story in CNN about a monk in, in Japan, and it really hit me. The guy meant to give encouragement to people when they interviewed him. This is what he said. He's a Buddhist monk. He said... Uh, I hope people understand that death is not the end of one's life, but a revolving step where lives meet again. Is that true? Now, how do you know it's not true? You know it because of this. You know it because of what Jesus said, you see. And and that's terrible. I mean, he's leading other people astray. I know he means to encourage people. But uh, he's wrong. He's sincere. He wants to help people, but he's sincerely wrong. And you can trace this false teaching to one guy, the Buddha. By the way, you don't call him Buddha. That's not his name. Okay, he's the Buddha. It's a thing. The Buddha. It's wrong. Jesus said... (laughs) In direct contradiction to this monk and the Buddha and every other religious teacher, no, you need to be afraid of death. Well, actually, this is the way he put it. He said, don't you fear him who, once he's killed the body, has no no power beyond that. You fear him who, once he's killed the body, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Yeah, we should fear death if we don't know Jesus. Now, that's the opposite of what this Buddhist monk said. You see, he's a, he's a well-meaning guy, but like everybody else, they're talking about death from this vantage point only. They can only talk about death 
without going through it. They're ignorant. I was ignorant. We can sit on this side of death in life and speculate about death all we want. And what happens? It's just guesswork. And usually it's what we want to believe. But the bottom line is we can't know. Jesus knows. Okay? He's been there. He's been all the way through it. He knew it without going through it anyway, by the way. He's God. Okay? So he's the one we need to listen to. Listen, the Bible says it plainly. It is appointed to men once to die. And after this, we meet our old friends, right? No, it says, and after this, judgment. You may be surprised. You know how we know so much about heaven and hell? Do you know who taught more about heaven and hell than anybody else? Jesus. That blows people away. They thought it was that dirty, rotten guy, Paul. No. Jesus does more speaking about heaven and hell than anybody else with graphic pictures of it. And he taught plainly that there are two destinations after death, heaven and hell. He'd have, a, he'd have a, a thing or two to say to this Buddhist monk and the Hindu teachers and Muslim teachers and Confucius and, and all the others. He'd say something like this. It's what he said to another religious leader in John 3, Nicodemus, when he came to him by night. Nicodemus couldn't understand Jesus, and he said, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven. What he's saying there is, look, Forget all the other religious teachers. They talk about heaven and God and death, but they're speaking for ignorance. They haven't been there. Okay? That's what he's saying. They can talk and talk all they want. It's sheer speculation. But worse, it's wrong. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man. Who's he talking about? Yeah. You know what he finishes with? Listen to this. Only the Son of Man who is in heaven. (laughs) That's like before Abraham was, I am. That's Jesus talking. Listen to this guy, okay? Like, Like God said about his son, this is my beloved son, hear him. Jesus alone can tell the truth about these things. He has literally been there. Heaven through death. About God. How can you talk about God so much? Because he is God. This is so practical. Everybody here should be using it. Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one. Listen to this. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now you say, that's awfully narrow-minded. I don't care, it's true. And if the truth is narrow-minded, so be it. Praise God, there's one way. There should be zero. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Only Jesus could talk like that and mean it and do it. 
Jesus raised himself from the dead while he was dead. All the other religious guys have died or will die, and none have returned. Okay, zero. In fact, from that verse in Hebrews, I quoted earlier, after it's appointed of men to die once and after this, the judgment. That's what they're waiting for. And uh, here's the second point to demonstrate that Jesus is the Son of God with power. You know who's going to be their judge? The same Jesus. Yeah. Listen to what he says in John 5. As the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. These are momentous words. You understand what he's saying? For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Is that a promise or what? Is that practical? (laughs) Wow. And shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, The hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Can you imagine? Everybody that's dead. And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man, the Son of God with power. No one ever claimed this. Well, I don't, I, there may be somebody out there who went around saying, yeah, I'm going to raise the dead and I'm going to be the judge of everyone. If he was, he was crazy. Only Jesus can say this and have it be true because he is going to do that. He's going to raise the de- dead, everyone, including you. Uh, so much for evolution. You know what evolution says? You're just molecules, right? So when you die, those molecules begin to separate. Poof, you're all gone. Bye-bye. No more you. Boy, is is that ever opposite from the Bible, huh? You know, this is the least important part of me, my body. Do you realize that? It's a container. It's a home. It's a house. No, wait a minute. It's a tent. That's what Paul calls it in 2 Corinthians. It's a tent that's going to be folded up. What makes me, me, is my spirit, my soul, that inhabits this tent. That's what Jesus taught. So this evolution stuff, you know, somewhere there were monkeys and uh, they became people. But they never got a spirit. Where'd the spirit come from? No. God created the first man and woman from scratch, okay? He didn't need any help. My wife's always uh, making a big deal. Whenever she bakes a cake, it's got to be from, be from scratch. You know, God made people from scratch. So there's another lie, by the way, about death, evolution. You know, poof, you're just gone. Or you got the Buddhist version, you know, all lives meet again. We could go through all the religions. They're all contrary to what Jesus taught. Okay? Okay. You begin to wonder, you know, all these lies. Where'd they come from? Man, there's so many of them. 
you might begin to think, maybe there's a father of lies somewhere, huh? Okay, he's going to raise the dead, everyone. He's going to be everyone's judge. He will rule the earth forever. That's the next topic we're going to talk about. We're talking about the Son of God with power. That's the ultimate uh, destination of Jesus, to rule not just the earth, the universe. And as he said here in this passage in John 5, your eternity is going to be determined by your relationship with him. It's interesting. um, People try to keep Jesus at a distance. You know, you can't do that. You realize, we were talking about vital signs earlier. Every heartbeat and every breath comes from him. Do you know that? I don't think you want to keep him at a distance. Okay? He gives to all life and breath. That's Jesus. But it's funny. I, I can't remember uh, what the name of the movie is. Maybe some of you know. I think it's still in the process of being made or something. But I read about it the other day about um, a, a surfer, a, a young woman. So, okay. What? what? Soul server. So, soul server. Soul Surfer. Okay, there we go. Oh, that, that's good. I like that. Uh, and she's a professing Christian, apparently. And uh, during the making of the film, they wanted to kind of keep down this religious stuff, you know. People don't, they, they don't like to hear about that kind of stuff anymore, you know. And the interesting thing is they kept saying, but wait a minute, that's the middle of the story. You know, <laughs> you leave that out, you've left out the story. And so this is an interesting line. You know what the producers and the director said? Well, all right, you can leave God in, but keep Jesus out. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Now, if it had been Buddha or Muhammad or Confucius or Krishnamurti, I don't care. You name it. Would have been okay. Not Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Man, that's how far we've come, folks. You know? Talk about anybody you want. The devil. Just don't talk about Jesus. You know, we want, to, we want to push him away. We don't want any part of Jesus. Get him out of here. There's a great answer to people who want to do that. God already answered it hundreds, hundreds of years ago in Psalm 2. Very short psalm. Listen to it. I'll just read it for you. God's asking a question. He says, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord has uh, the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Here's what God says. Yet I have, past tense, set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. Now Jesus is speaking. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. 
You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. And if you know the Messiah, Handel's Messiah, you're singing that part right now. Wonderful section. Now he's, he's going to address the kings, but he's addressing you and me too. God turns and he says, Now therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. This is in the Old Testament. Listen to this. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. He says just a little. You know what it says about Jesus in Revelation? It says, I love the King James. He treadeth out the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. The cross is over and finished. Next is judgment. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. That's God's answer to those who want to keep Jesus at a distance. I hope that's not you. Jesus is not some remote guy who has little or no relevance to you or your world. He, he is, and he's always been, by the way, the son of God with power. He didn't start being the son of God with power when uh, God declared it in the resurrection. He's always been the son of God with power. Look, he created everything. I don't want, let me be exact. The Bible says he created all things. I don't want to exaggerate. All things. That includes you. It goes further than that. Colossians says, all things were created by him and all things were created for him. Wow. Maybe I better not be pushing him off, huh? I was created for him. So he's been the son of God with power forever. It didn't start then. It's just God declared it then. And there's coming a time when everybody's going to see it. And it's never going to stop. Things will be the way they should be at that point. You see. You can't avoid it. You can't hide. God's already declared that Jesus is the son of God with power. But uh, he said it in the resurrection. And now there's been, in in a sense, there's been this silence. And people, they kind of think, oh, well, I guess that's the end. Uh, No, God doesn't work that way. I'll tell you, there is such a straining for Jesus to come and take his rightful place. Romans tells us the creation is literally groaning, waiting for that day. It says about Christians, we groan within ourselves, waiting for that day. Look, if creation is groaning and I'm groaning, I'll tell you what, God is, how can I put it, chomping at the bit, okay, until that day comes and his patience finally runs out and Jesus takes his rightful place. It's, um, you know, it's like a wedding announcement. You get a wedding announcement, there's this big day coming, you know, and then you wait. You know, John's smiling over there. And then finally the day comes. Well, that's what we're talking about. Look, 
God said it's going to happen. It will happen. Okay. God didn't go through all this stuff. Jesus didn't go through all this stuff from creation to the cross and the resurrection to say, okay, I forgot what happens next. Uh Uh-uh. He's going to follow through. He said long before Jesus took flesh at Bethlehem, said this about Jesus in Isaiah, the government shall be upon his shoulders. We're not there yet, but it's going to happen. It has to because God said so. Of the increase of his government and peace, there should be, listen, no end. We've had a lot of governments come and go. This one is going to come and it's going to stay. No end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and forever. I love this last phrase. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You got that? You know, God is zealous. I'm a little excited right now. You know, you ever been excited about something? I mean, really get worked up over it? You know, zealous, excited about it. Yeah. Well, that's what it's talking about. That's how the Lord of hosts is about the day when Jesus Christ will take over the government forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And uh, you got the phrases there. No end. It's not going to be the end of that government. It's going to be forever. When that time comes, this life is going to be a distant memory. Hard to believe, huh? I'm, uh, I think I'm 63 now. You stop counting after about 50. You know, <laughs> unless you're a lady and then it's 40. And, you know, when I was a kid, man, there were so many things happening in my life. You know, I can hardly remember any of them. And they get dimmer and dimmer as the years go by. You know, it's just a distant memory. I mean, I had, you know, 18 years as a youth. That's a lot of days. I don't remember that many of those days, you know, just a few of them. It's long gone. That's the way it's going to be in heaven, you know. Except better, you know, we're going to be occupied with the here and now with Jesus forever. This life is going to be like, what? When was that? You know? Going to be the same way for people in hell. This life is going to be a distant memory. The here and now is going to be torment. And tomorrow and the day after that. And, that, and look, it all hinges on Jesus. What will you do with Jesus? That's it. We're coming up on another election. You know, every fourth year, 2012 is the next one. And uh, like many other countries around the world, we choose our leaders, right? It's called an election. We vote. Go through the list. And we pick everybody from mayor to governor to senator to president. It's a little different in God's economy. In fact, it's kind of reversed. The leader's already been selected. He's a king. And he's been, uh, how can I put it, chosen for life. 
okay? Once he starts his rule, it's never going to end. Praise God. It's going to be the only government. Government by Jesus, okay? And so you say, why are you bringing this up? Because we're in an election right now, in a way. Except you're not here to choose who the ruler is going to be because God's already done that. I can tell you right now, you want, we're answering a lot of big questions this morning, aren't we? You want me to answer you why you are here? I'll tell you right now. You are here to decide whether you're going to be in Jesus' government or not. That's it. I just told you your reason for being, for living, existing. It's whether to choose right now to have Jesus as your king. It's got to be done in this life. You can't wait until then. If you wait until then, it's too late. Okay? And let me tell you, if you don't choose, then you've chosen to reject him. There's, there's no middle of the road. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. Okay? There's coming a, a time very soon when there's going to be such a shout. Revelation. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And that's the hallelujah chorus. I wish we could sing it. But that day's coming, and I'll tell you, man, there's going to be such a shout of joy. Well, he's coming soon. I've told you this is going to be a very practical message. There, there it is right there. Is this practical or what? God is speaking to you directly. And he's asking you to do something. That's practical. But it's only practical if you listen and act. It only has application to your life if you do something about it. It only becomes profitable if you choose to follow Jesus. It's that simple. As Jesus himself said, if you know these things, happy are you if you what? If you do them. May God bless the preaching of his word to our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, how we praise you this morning for being the son of God with power. Lord, the world hasn't seen it yet, but they will, we know. And we look forward to that day, we who know you. Lord, how we long to have you take your seat on that throne and rule forever and ever. What a joyous day that will be. No more earthquakes, no more famines, no more wars. Just Jesus ruling over all. So, Lord, we do pray if there's anyone here who has not bowed their knee to this rightful king over their lives, the one who loved them unto death, who rose from the dead and now holds the keys to Hades and to death, that this might be the day when they acknowledge you as their Savior and their Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.